You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. We're in the book of Acts, and what a blessing this morning. I think we had seven adult guests in the services this morning, and then uh, guests again this evening, and that is a blessing. And don't take that for granted. Uh, and at the same time, uh, don't just let the guests come and sit and you not go say hi. Uh, make sure that you are greeting one another and connecting with people, and that is that is a blessing. Uh, thankful for just what the Lord is doing. All right, here's we're in the book of Acts. Acts is an exciting time uh, for the New Testament church, and as we as New Testament believers, we look back into Acts, we see the church in in action, and that's exactly what's going on. We see how God is empowering His church, and uh, this was an exciting time for New Testament believers. And with uh, spiritual blessings, uh, there is always opposition, and we see that in the book of Acts that there was growth, and that growth brought persecution, and that persecution brought more growth, and then the more growth brought greater persecution, and then there was greater growth. It's a cycle. It's a cycle that was right here in the book of Acts, and it's a cycle that we see in 2021. We see how the devil does not want to see people saved. He does not want lives transformed. He does not want God to be honored. He does not want people to grow. He does not want bonds to be broken and chains uh, to be uh, let go. He wants to control and he wants to destroy. And there is a battle, and we've been looking at that uh, on Sunday mornings about a uh, under being under attack. But here in Acts chapter 7, we read the message of Stephen. Here Stephen was one of the first deacons. Stephen was a, uh, a man that was, uh, was communicating God's will. And this man was not only willing to live for the Lord, he was willing to die for the Lord. You know, I think sometimes we would put ourselves in that category. Well, I'd be willing to die for the Lord and if we're not even willing to live for him, we definitely would not be willing to die for him. If we're not willing to be faithful to him in church, we're not willing to be faithful to our Bible, we're not willing to be faithful in prayer time, what would make us think that somehow we would have the strength, the spiritual strength to be able to stand under the great pressure of this enormous amount of persecution? And the reality is, none of us know where we would be. I would hope that we would stand. I would hope if they came to lock the doors of the church that uh, we, would, we would stand for the Lord and we would not, uh, we would not allow the, the pressure to stop us from assembling. We see that all around the world, how believers have been been pushed underground and underground churches and home churches and trying to still assemble uh, and under great persecution. But here, this, uh, this man in this dissertation, Stephen, this is the longest 
the longest message uh, or speech that was given in the book of Acts, and, and he lays out this spiritual saga. And, and when you read through this, you're, it is very easy to understand. Stephen knew his Bible. He knew his Bible. And he was able, he went all the way back and he started laying out a timeline of everything that God had done. And you think my, my uh, uh, messages, they go from A to Z. This guy right here, he definitely went A to Z. He went from the beginning to the end. And, uh, but, but Stephen, he knew his Bible and he laid out uh, the, the saga of the nation of Israel. He laid out how they had a continual, uh, continual uh, testimony uh, of rejecting the Lord and his plans. And he lays it right out there for them to see. He keys in on Moses and Israel's rejection of Moses, his leadership, uh, and his leading people to the Lord. But what I want to see here in this realm of this New Testament church, we find references back to the Old Testament church in the wilderness and I want to make some correlations that I believe will be a help to us as we look at this uh, Old Testament gathering, this Old Testament assembly that in Acts we, we call it the church in the wilderness. And, and it was not a New Testament church. It was an Old Testament assembly. Uh, but here uh, we look at this uh, reference to this assembly in the Old Testament, uh, which, Peter, or which Stephen called a church, the church in the wilderness. And then we look at the New Testament church, and we're going to see some different and so I want to speak to you on the subject tonight, the church on the move, the church on the move. So I want you to see several things tonight. Uh, number one, I want you to see uh, that we should not, number one, don't forget the past. Uh, don't forget the past. You know, Stephen here, he was, he was recognizing his history. He was recognizing where he came from. You know, our past is a good past. It's, it's, it's good. We are blessed. We look back at our Christian heritage, and some are first-generation Christians, and, and you personally may not have Christians in your family that you can look back and see how the faith was handed from one generation to the next. Uh, but there, are, there is a heritage of Christians that we all have uh, in common. And Stephen here, he recognized where he came from. He recognized his godly heritage. You know, our heritage is a goodly heritage. Everything isn't perfect, but it's a good heritage. Uh, so look with me at verse number 38. It says, This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in Mount Sinai with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. Now here, Stephen is referring back to how God had met with Moses up on top of Mount Sinai and handed him uh, the tables. Uh, the word of God was given to him. And, and here, uh, he is referring back to that, the original, as God was handing off his word. And he was, he was pointing out, just like when, when in the Old Testament, when Moses, who was a person that these 
these believers or these publicans, these scribes, these Pharisees, they would hold Moses up as a, as a, a church father, yet they would turn around and, and with that, Stephen was pointing out how they did not listen to him when he was the one that was teaching. When he was the one that was communicating, there still was disobedience that was there. Uh, when Moses was up on the mount, what happened? Uh, we find that Aaron and uh, the people, they turned from God and they had a, a molten calf. And then uh, God gave them uh, the instructions and Moses went to lead them into the promised land. But they did not follow. They were unwilling to follow this spiritual leader that they would hold up, yet uh, they did not, the fathers, they did not follow him. And so here uh, we see that there was disobedience, and the people refused to follow God's leading. The people refused Moses' leadership, and, and with that, uh, there was disobedience, there was disappointment that came. When you look at the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, you talk about a disappointment. I mean, here they, they got out of Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea and then they got to eat Oreo cookies every morning when they woke up. Manna all over the ground. And, and here they were. They got to enjoy all of the blessings. They had the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And you think about how you and I, when, when we have major decisions to make in our life, wouldn't it have been nice just to follow a cloud? Man, it would have been pretty, pretty clear. Lord, you want me to move? You're not moving. Okay, I guess we'll stay here. Hey, Lord, I don't want to move. Oh, you're moving. I guess we move. You know, there was a lot of things that was so clear to them. They got to see the presence of God day in and day out with their eyes, with their eyes. You and I, we have the Holy Spirit who lives within us. We are in such a better shape. It, it would probably be a little bit easier to see, but we, we, are, we are ones we get to, to walk by faith. And, but there was disobedience. They, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Because of the disobedience, they had to cross the Jordan. Now, if you look at a map, and I was going to have a map up, and I didn't grab it tonight, but if you were looking, down here you have Egypt, and you come across the peninsula, and then uh, you come up towards Canaan, you have the Mediterranean Sea, and then it goes up towards uh, Judah and Jerusalem uh, up here, and, and then you had the, uh, the uh, Dead Sea there or, uh, across, and then you had uh, come around, and they were on the far side, and now instead of just coming right up in into Canaan, they're on the other side of Jordan, and now they've got to cross over Jordan uh, heading west because they had gone too far to the east. And so now they have to cross the Jordan, which was never God's plan to begin with. There's so many more obstacles when we don't follow God's plan, aren't there? How many times do we get out on our own? And then we find all these extra obstacles trying to get back to where we need to be. And here, when we look at this, uh, we see that there was disobedience. Uh, the, the, the 
disobedience that they had. Uh, but we need to not forget uh, the past. You know, the past helps us. When we, when we stop and think about some of the mistakes that we make, maybe some mistakes that our, our forefathers have made, uh, what does that do to us? It helps us recognize when there are areas that maybe we want to go the wrong direction, and we can open up the Word of God and say, oh, yeah, they've already been there, done that. I don't want that to happen to me. And, and there, is, there is a lot of instruction that comes from there. Uh, but there was a great purpose in the plan of God. Uh, I want you to go with me to Numbers chapter number 2. Take your Bibles, go to Numbers chapter 2. And I want you to look with me at verse number 2. Numbers 2 and verse number 2. Numbers 2, 2. Good to hear the Bible's turning. Numbers 2.2, 2. we can see a great purpose in God's plan. Uh, Numbers 2.2, 2. every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard with the ensign of their father's house. Far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch. And we see further instructions on how God has led his people in the past and, and where uh, they were uh, supposed to live. And, and when you looked at the tabernacle and you looked at uh, how the tabernacle was there and how they would pitch their tents, and we talked about that recently, uh, about the situation and, uh, and how the, the Levites and, uh, would surround uh, three sides and co uh, and Gershom and uh, Merari. And then on the east, you had three tribes, Judah. Uh, on the south, three tribes. It would have been Reuben and uh, his, th those tribes of Reuben. And then uh, three tribes with Ephraim and three tribes with Dan. Uh, but God had a plan for all of all of that movement. And, and, and as you look at that, uh, there was a purpose and a plan for every part of the journey. You know, our heritage is a good heritage. And we look back to the past and we see how God had a plan for the church in the wilderness. He has a plan for us. He has a plan for us. If God laid everything out for the Old Testament, uh, He has a plan for us. And so we don't want to uh, forget the past. Secondly, don't miss the present. Acts chapter 8 and verse uh, 1. Acts chapter 8, let's go back there. In Acts 8, verse number 1, uh, what do we find here? We find that uh, Stephen is, is moving, and, and Stephen ends up uh, uh, getting uh, stoned. And, and at the end of chapter 7, Stephen is stoned. And then let's look what happens in chapter 8 and verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death, referring to Stephen, and at that time, there was a great persecution at the church, uh, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad through all the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So the present was not a time of waiting. Uh, the present, it was a time of warning. There was a lot of, uh, of uncertainty 
certainty that was going on in this day uh, of the church. They had a heritage of the past, but now during the present, uh, there was a lot of pressure and there was a lot of concern. Uh, persecution, it scattered the church. Uh, they went everywhere. And the wonderful thing is they went everywhere preaching the gospel. They went everywhere preaching the word of God. Uh, and, and the warning uh, was not just of persecution. The warning was of people's spiritual condition. Here, I am sure that the warning went out about, Paul, uh, about Saul. I'm sure the warning among the church went out to other believers. Hey, look out for this person. Look out uh, for this individual. Look out for this troublemaker or this person that is that has turned sides and, and maybe they are seeking out to try to cause division or they're seeking out to uh, try to uh, bring people uh, under persecution. And there was a warning for for God's people's spiritual condition, uh, but it was also these people were still concerned about the mission that they were that they were given. You know, it's not good enough to be a great people. It's not good enough to have a great heritage. There's a responsibility that we've all been given. And I think about these New Testament believers that though they were scattered abroad, they didn't lose sight of their mission. What a, what a blessing that that is. When you stop and think about it, you stop and think about the believers that are in, uh, that are in China. You think about the believers that are in Jordan, the believers that are in uh, some of these Muslim countries where great persecution goes on uh, on, a, on a daily basis. Uh, here, this Old Testament group of believers, uh, they, were, uh, they were not just counting their Christian heritage, they were living out out their faith. They were going to live out their faith. And as a whole, uh, this nation, the Hebrew people, uh, they did, they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, yet God's people, the believers, they still continued uh, to promote the Messiah. And, and it's not good enough just to be from a good Christian home. You have to choose Christ yourself. Not good enough just to have a a good heritage. You go out and talk to people about the Lord. Oh, yeah, yeah. My grandma was a pastor. My grandpa, great-grandpa was a pastor. I, I'm amazed at how many grandmas were pastors. Uh, but I hear that all the time. Yeah, my grandma was a pastor. And my great-grandma, my grandpa was a pastor. And, and you just hear about that. Now, listening to some of you ladies preach, I understand it. Um, but uh, uh, anyway, uh, no, the, uh, the message here, uh, these individuals, uh, they were... They weren't counting on their heritage. Though we don't want to forget our godly heritage, there's a present that we are living in, and we can't let it, let it pass us by. One day we will not have opportunity to share the good news of the gospel. One day we will not have the opportunity to, uh, to communicate our faith like we do right now. And so we want to make sure that uh, we, we don't miss uh, the opportunities we have. Now is the time to show our faith, not shun our faith. Now is the time to share our faith, not to shy away from our faith. 
uh, the present was an opportunity for them to go. It was an opportunity for them to grow. It was an opportunity for them to give and to communicate the faith. And our faith not only affects uh, our eternal destiny, it gives us the guidance that we need. It gives us the purpose uh, to get up to. It gives us fulfillment. You and I get our joy uh, from following the Savior. There is, a, there is a peace that comes when you're following the Lord, isn't it? What a blessing. You, you lay your head on your pillow at night and you can sleep. You lay your pillow on your head at night and you don't have to wonder, will anybody find out? What a blessing. You know, we follow the Savior, and there's just a great peace and joy that we get to experience, that we get to enjoy the strength that God gives, the comfort that He gives. So, so, so many blessings that we, we have. Uh, and that is, don't miss the present. Don't miss right now in your faith. Say, Pastor, I'm so busy right now. My life is sideways. I got so many things going on. Don't stop. Just stop and, and look at what God is doing in your life. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't get to the end of your life and look back and say, Wow, I miss so much. Don't miss the present. Don't miss the time with your kids. Don't miss the time with your family. There's coming a day where they will not be there. Let's not miss those opportunities. You know, you, you can always work more. You can always work more. And when you get to retirement age, you probably won't be thinking, man, I just wish I would have worked another 20 hours a week. You probably wish you didn't work all those extra hours so you could spend time with your kids. Probably wouldn't have wanted to take all the overtime that caused you not to be able to be a part of ministry. One of these days, we will not have the opportunity to serve. Let's not miss it. Don't miss the present. You see, the church was on the move, and there is a lot of excitement. Things were going on, uh, but the, uh, they did not miss the present opportunities. Though they still had to flee, though they still had to, uh, to move, and they were scattered abroad, they still didn't miss an opportunity to tell somebody about Christ. And let's not allow the world to rob us of that. Uh, let's let's uh, uh, not miss the, uh, the present, and don't f fail to prepare for the future. Don't fail to prepare for the future. Think about Acts chapter number 9. We go from chapter 7 and we have the, uh, the event of Stephen and his preaching. And then chapter 8, uh, we have uh, the persecution of the church. Then we go to chapter 9. And let's look what happens in chapter number 9. Uh, look at verse number 1. And we'll read down through verse 9. The Bible says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if any found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. 
And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. Now, what happened right here? Saul, the persecutor, gets saved. I mean, just stop and think about this. In a time of great persecution, the one who, uh, who was uh, in charge of the persecution, the one that they were getting authority from uh, was Saul, uh, the, the young man that st- that stoned Stephen. They laid their coats down at the feet of Saul, and Saul was the one that was consenting unto his death. And now all of a sudden we find Saul getting saved. What do we find? In great persecution, believers who kept on being faithful during the persecution, what do we find? Their posterity being taken care of. That the future was now being preserved. God was looking at what he was about to do, and these believers who were faithful during this great persecution, now they're going to see some uh, a glorious event take place. You know what happens? Saul gets saved. Uh, that tells us that there isn't anybody that's too hard for the Lord. There isn't anybody that's too hard. There isn't any, uh, any person that is, whose heart is so hard that God cannot break it. There's nobody that God can, cannot reach. You stop and think about Saul, how God got his attention. God knows how to get man's attention. He knew how to get Nebuchadnezzar's attention. Here he was, the king, the most powerful man on earth, the greatest kingdom of the day, the world power. And God brought Nebuchadnezzar to his knees. And he praised and extolled the Most High God. Recognizing that the Most High ruleth in the kingdoms of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. What do we find? We find that God can reach the hard-hearted. God can reach a Saul. God can reach a a Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, God can reach the jailer. Here we had Paul and Silas in jail. What happens? God can reach that jailer. He knows how to take care of that. Think about Nicodemus, who was a religious ruler. The Lord knew how to get his attention. Think about Mary Magdalene, who was possessed of demons. God God got a hold of her heart. It's amazing what God can do. You know, as God is transforming lives, God is giving life to the future. As God is saving souls, 
as God is starting churches, as God is blessing the work of the Lord, what do we find? The work just keeps on going forward. And, and here uh, we see how God uh, is, is working not only uh, in the past and not only in the present. He's taking care of the, the future. He is preparing uh, for the future. And we see that here with, uh, with Saul. I think about uh, Mel Trotter. Uh, he was a, a son of a bartender, and uh, Mel Trotter was, uh, he and his three brothers, they were, uh, went all in their father's footsteps, and he was a, uh, they were all drunks, and uh, somehow the, uh, this drunk ends up uh, uh, getting a good Christian girl to marry him. Unbelievable how many girls will follow some guy that says all the right things. And uh, this drunken man, uh, a drunk, got this Christian girl to marry him. And she prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him. And we read the story how, uh, and, and girls don't ever get involved with somebody who is not already who they're supposed to be. Don't think that you can change them. Now, God can change them. But that's not your job. You don't, you don't date somebody. You don't get close to anybody that's uh, the wrong direction. Uh, when I first started church, uh, I walked into the church, and uh, I remember looking over and seeing this lady right here on the second row. I thought, oh, she's pretty. She wouldn't have anything to do with me. Nothing. Nothing. And if you ask her, but she always says, I didn't have anything to do with him. I could tell he was a bad boy. <laughs> and that's what she always says. Uh, but she wouldn't have anything to do with me, and I'm thankful for that. She ought not. Uh, and so uh, Mel Trotter, though, uh, he, he ended up, uh, he ended up, uh, he and his wife had a little girl, and he, he pledged to his wife after the little girl was born that, uh, that he, would, he would quit drinking. But uh, as soon as uh, they got, uh, uh, got home, he went right back to the drinking, and uh, the, he went back into gambling, and uh, soon they were broke without the ability to, uh, to buy a drink, and uh, the little baby girl died. Mel Trotter took the shoes off of her feet and went and sold them so he could get another drink. You know, sin will just destroy. It'll just destroy a life. It'll destroy how a person thinks. And this man, Mel Trotter, he was homeless, broken, walking the streets of Chicago and he was called over to the Pacific Garden Rescue Mission. He ended up getting saved that night. Mel Trotter later became the, the, the man that ran the overseer of the Pacific Garden Mission. God transformed his life. But you know, when we, we look at some of the hard cases God has the ability to change, uh, change hearts. You know, the future is in our hands. The future is in our hands right here in the present. 
when we think about uh, when we think about uh, uh, Saul getting saved in Acts chapter number nine, uh, we find that uh, there was a plan that God had for Saul to be discipled and for Saul to be uh, followed up with. But the the future uh, that we have, it's in our hands, and the future investment, and the future, uh, the sacrifice, and the dedication that it takes, uh, it is what we have to do right now. And it is going to determine whether we have a future in the present or whether there will be no future. Look at Acts chapter number 9, look at verse number 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth, and hath seen a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem, and here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now notice what takes place here in verse number 17. When we stop and we realize the impact, uh, the, the question that Ananias is faced with, the decision that he is faced with, what am I going to do now? Verse 17, and I, Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the, pers uh, with the Holy Ghost. What do we find? We find here that Ananias did not miss his present. And in doing so, we see how God protected the future. He was preparing. God knows what comes next. We don't. We don't know what's around the corner. We don't know how things are going to unfold. But God does. And here God was, was working in one man's life. Uh, he used the persecution. He used a persecutor. And now he's going to use a, a believer to come alongside and go and, and connect with Saul. And what we're going to find is God is going to take this great persecutor of the church and make him the promoter of the church. He is going to be used to, to author and pen, or he's going to pen 13 books in the New Testament. We're going to see how God uses him uh, over uh, three missionary journeys to run and to start and to establish churches. We just see how God used him over and over and over again. And you say, well, pastor, I might not be able to, uh, to preach some great message, and I'm not going to be one that's going to uh, speak to thousands of people, but we don't know whose life we can touch. I think about Ed Kimmel, who was a Sunday school teacher. And Ed Kimmel went and he followed up on his Sunday school class. And he went to a young man who was 
was wor- of working age, and he kept after him and kept after him and kept after him, and he ended up winning D.L. Moody to the Lord. He wasn't the pastor of some great church. He was a Sunday school teacher. Ananias, we know nothing about Ananias except that God used him to integrate him into the church. God wants to use people just like us. What a blessing. And here we just see the, uh, the great way that God works. The believers, though, uh, they didn't just hunker down when, when persecution came. Isn't that natural? Fear causes us just to withdraw. If the New Testament believers would have done that, Saul would not have gotten saved. Or at least he would not have been brought into the church. You see, we can't miss our opportunities. We can't miss what God is trying to do. Uh, They didn't forget the past, but they didn't miss their the present, and they didn't, prep- they didn't fail to prepare for the future. We have what we have because of previous generations. The faithfulness, the sacrifice of generations before us. And we don't want to forget that. But just like they were key in our salvation, just like they were key in setting up uh, ways for, for us to be taught and discipled and a place for us to grow, there are those that are coming behind us. If the Lord tarries his coming, uh, that, that needs somebody to prepare for them, that next generation, uh, as we've spoke about recently, uh, they could have said, uh, what's the use? Uh, they could have said, you know what, with all this persecution, the Lord must be coming back, so we're just going to hold fast. But that's not what they did. They still continued with their mission. In time of trouble, in time of trial, in time of persecution, we still have to be faithful day by day. Let's not miss those opportunities. Uh, The church was on the move. Uh, Back in the wilderness, it was on the move. Uh, Back in the New Testament, first century, it was on the move. And today, it's still on the move. Today, it still should be on the move. In 2021, it should still be on the move. And you and I just need to seize the opportunities that God gives to us. And as he gives us opportunities, let's be faithful to him. The church on the move. I'm excited about what God's going to do in the coming days. He has, he has placed us here uh, in this nation, in this time, for such a time as this. And with that, there's great opportunity. When it gets dark, the, the light shines the brightest. And let's allow our light to shine. It was a dark time in Acts chapter number 7. It was dark in chapter 8 and chapter 9. But what do we find? We find the church on the move. And what happens? Christianity explodes. And thousands and thousands of people are saved. And it happened first century and it can happen again in, its, in this century. And so let's just be faithful to what God has for us. Father, I pray that you'd help us, uh, Lord, just to do what we can. Uh, we can't do everything, but we can do something. 
And I pray that you would help us just to be faithful uh, to the opportunities that you give to us. Help us to be faithful in our walk, faithful in our witness. And may you just use us to make a difference, Lord, in in this area, in the, the place that you have planted us. And so I pray that you'd bless us now for Christ's sake. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.